Volume three, chapter nine of A Charming Fellow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Charming Fellow by Francis Eleanor Trollope. Volume three, chapter nine. The letter to Lord Seely was duly written, and this time in Castalia's own words. Algernon refused to assist her in the composition of it, saying, in answer to her appeals, "'No, no, Cassie, I shall make no suggestions whatsoever. I don't choose to expose myself to any more grandiloquence from your uncle about letters being written by your hand, but not dictated by your head. I wonder at my lord talking such high-flown stuff. But pomposity is his master weakness.' Castalia's letter was as follows. "'Whitford, November 23rd. Dear Uncle Val, I am sure you will understand that I was very much surprised and hurt at the tone of your last letter to Ancrum. Of course, if you have not the money to help us with, you cannot lend it, and I don't complain of that, but I was vexed at the way you wrote to Ancrum. You won't think me ungrateful to you. I know how good you have always been to me, and I am fonder of you than of anybody in the world except Ancrum, but nobody can be unkind to him without hurting me, and I shall always resent any slight to him." but i am writing now to ask you something that i wish for very much myself it is quite my own desire i am not at all happy in this place and i want you to get ancrum a berth somewhere in the colonies quite away it is no use changing from one town in england to another what we want is to get far away and to put the seas between us and all the odious people here i am sure you might get us something if you would try i assure you ancrum is perfectly wasted in this hole any stupid grocer or tallow-chandler could do what he has to do do dear uncle val try to help us in this indeed i shall never be happy in whitford your affectionate niece c addington give my love to aunt belinda if she cares to have it but i dare say she won't c e i think my lord will not doubt the genuineness of that epistle thought algernon after having read it at his wife's request then the fly was announced and they set off together to pass the evening at the elder mrs errington's lodgings the bluebell driver touched his hat in a very respectful manner his master's long-standing account was unpaid but he continued to receive for his part frequent half-crowns from algernon who liked the immediate popularity to be purchased by a gift somewhat out of proportion to his means indeed our young friend enjoyed a better reputation amongst menials and underlings than amongst their employers the former were apt to speak of him as a pleasant gentleman who was free with his money and to declare that they felt as if they could do anything for young mr errington so they could he had such a way with him whereas the mere payment of humdrum debts excites no such agreeable glow of feeling and is altogether a flat stale and unprofitable proceeding what o'clock shall we say castalia asked her husband as they alighted at mrs thimbleby's door tell him to come at half-past ten returned castalia it chanced that david powell was re-entering his lodgings at the moment the younger errington's reached the door he stood aside to let the lady pass into the house before him and thus heard her answer the sound of her voice made him start and bend forward to look at her face when the light from the open door fell upon it she turned round at the same instant and the two looked full at each other david powell asked mrs thimbleby if that lady were not the wife of mr algernon errington yes mr powell she is his wife and more's the pity if all tales be true judge not uncharitably sister thimbleby nor let your tongue belie the gentleness of your spirit it is an unruly member that speaks not always out of the fullness of the heart the lady seems very sick and bears the traces of much sorrow in her countenance oh yes indeed poor thing sickly enough she looks and sorry nay i dare say she has her own trials but i fear me she leads that pleasant young husband of hers a poor life of it i shouldn't say as much to any one but you sir for i do try to keep my tongue from evil speaking but had you never seen her before mr powell powell answered musingly 
no scarcely seen her but i had heard her voice mrs errington received her son and daughter-in-law with an effusive welcome she was so astonished so delighted it was so long since she had seen them and then to see them together that had latterly become quite a rare treat the good lady expatiated on this theme until castalia's brow grew gloomy with the recollection of her wrongs her solitary hours spent so drearily and her suspicions as to how her husband employed the hours of his absence from her and then mrs errington began playfully to reprove her for being dull and silent instead of enjoying dear algy's society now that she had it i am sure my dear castalia said the elder lady with her usual self-complacent stateliness you won't mind my telling you that i consider one of the great secrets of the perfect felicity i enjoyed during my married life to have been the interest and pleasure i always took and showed that i took in dr errington's society perhaps he liked your society returned castalia with a languid sneer followed by a short bitter sigh preferred it to any in the world my dear said mrs errington mellifluously she said it too with an aplomb and an air of conviction that mightily tickled algernon who remembering the family rumours which haunted his childhood thought that his respected father if he preferred his wife's society to any other must have put a considerable constraint on his inclinations not to say sacrifice them altogether to the claims of a convivial circle of friends the dear old lady is as good as a play thought he indeed he thoroughly relished this bit of domestic comedy but then proceeded mrs errington as she rang the bell to order tea i have not the vanity to suppose that he would have done so without the exercise of some little care and tact on my part tact my dear castalia tact is the most precious gift a wife can bring to the domestic circle but the ancrams always had enormous tact give us some tea if you please mrs thimbleby and be careful that the water boils proverbial for it in fact algernon thought it time to come to the rescue he did not choose his comfort to be destroyed by a passage of arms between his mother and his wife so he deftly turned the conversation to less dangerous topics and things proceeded peacefully until the tea was served who was that man that was coming into the house with us asked castalia as she sipped her tea from one of mrs errington's antique blue and white china cups would it be mr diamond but no you know him by sight or i suppose it was that methodist preacher powell powell yes that was the name david powell most likely he is in and out at all hours really algernon do you know you remember the fellow how he used to annoy us at maxfield's well do you know i believe he is quite crazy you have always entertained that opinion i believe ma'am oh but my dear boy i think he is demented in real downright earnest now i do indeed i am sure the things that poor weak-minded mrs thimbleby tells me about him he has delusions of all kinds hears voices sees visions i should say it is a case of what your father would have called melancholy madness really algy i frequently think about it it is quite alarming sometimes in the night if i happen to wake up to remember that there is a lunatic sleeping overhead you know he might take it into his head to murder one or if he only killed himself which is perhaps more likely it would be a highly unpleasant circumstance i could not possibly remain in the lodgings you know out of the question and so i told that silly thimbleby i said to her observe mrs thimbleby if any dreadful thing happens in this house a suicide or anything of that sort i shall leave you at an hour's notice i wish you well and i have no desire to withdraw my patronage from you but you could not expect me to look over a coroner's inquest algernon threw his head back and laughed heartily that was a fair warning at any rate said he and if mr david powell has any consideration for his landlady he will profit by it that is to say supposing mr thimbleby tells him of it what did she say oh she merely cried and whimpered and hid her face in her apron she is terribly weak-minded poor creature castalia had been listening in silence all at once she said how many miserable people there are 
very true cassy provincial postmasters and others and part of my miserable lot is to go down to the office again for an hour to-night my poor boy go to the office again to-night exclaimed his mother and his wife simultaneously yes it is now half-past eight i have an appointment at least i shall be back in an hour i have no doubt algernon walked off with an air of good-humoured resignation smiling and shrugging his shoulders the two women left alone together took his departure very differently mrs errington was majestically wrathful with a system of things which involved so much discomfort to a scion of the house of ancram she was of opinion that some strong representations should be made to the ministry that parliament should be appealed to and she rather enjoyed her own eloquence and was led on by it to make some most astounding assertions and utter some scathing condemnations with an air of comfortable self-satisfaction castalia on the other hand remained gloomily taciturn huddled into an easy chair by the hearth and staring fixedly at the fire it has been recorded in these pages that mrs errington did not much object to silence on the part of her companion for the time being she only required an assenting or admiring interjection now and then to enable her to carry on what she supposed to be a very agreeable conversation but she did like her confidence to do that much towards social intercourse and she liked moreover to see some look of pleasure interest or sympathy on the confidant's face looking at castalia's moody and abstracted countenance she could not but remember the gentle listener in whom she had been wont for so many years to find a sweet response to all her utterances oddly enough she said i have been disappointed of a visitor this evening and so should have been quite alone if you and algy had not come in i had asked rhoda to spend the evening with me castalia looked round at the sound of that name why didn't she come she asked abruptly oh i don't know she merely said she could not leave home to-night that old father of hers sometimes takes tyrannical fancies into his head he has been kinder to dear rhoda of late and has treated her more becomingly chiefly i believe i may say owing to my influence although the old booby chose to quarrel with me but when he takes a thing into his head he is as obstinate as a mule i don't know about treating her becomingly but i think she needs some one to look after her and keep her in check who rhoda my dear castalia she is the very sweetest-tempered creature i ever met with in my life and that is saying a good deal let me tell you for the ancrum temper was something quite special a gift i don't boast of it because i believe it was simply constitutional but such was the fact that girl is dressed up beyond her station the last time i saw her it was absurd scarcely reputable i should think mrs errington by no means liked this attack over and above the fact that rhoda was her pet and her protege which would have sufficed to make any animadversions on her appear impertinent she was genuinely fond of the girl and answered with some warmth i am sure castalia that whatever rhoda maxfield might be dressed in she would look modest and sweet not to say excessively pretty for i suppose there cannot be a doubt about that i thought you were a stickler for people keeping to their own station and not aping their betters we must distinguish castalia birth will ever be with me the first consideration coming of the race i do it could not be otherwise but it is useless to shut one's eyes to the fact that money nowadays will do much look at our best families families of lineage as good as my own what do we see we see them allying themselves with commercial people right and left now there was miss pickleham the way in which she was thrown at algy's head would surprise you she had a hundred thousand pounds of her own on the day she married and expectations of much more on old pickleham's decease but i never encouraged the thing perhaps i was wrong however she married sir peregrine puffin last season and the puffins were in cornwall before the conquest castalia shrugged her shoulders in undisguised scorn all that nonsense is nothing to the purpose said she throwing her head back against the cushion of the chair she sat on mrs errington opened her blue eyes to their widest extent 
really castalia all that nonsense you are not very polite i am sick of all the pretences and shams and deceptions returned castalia her eyes glittering feverishly and her thin fingers twining themselves together with nervous restlessness i don't know whether you are made a fool of yourself or are trying to make a fool of me castalia but in either case i am not duped your sweet rhoda don't you know that she is an artful false coquette perhaps worse castalia yes worse why should she not be as bad as any other low-bred creature who lures on gentlemen to make love to her men are such idiots so false and fickle but though i may be injured and insulted i will not be laughed at for a dupe good heavens castalia what does this mean and i will tell you another thing if you really are so blind to what goes on and has been going on for years i don't believe ancram has gone to the post-office to-night at all i believe he has gone to see rhoda it would not be the first time he has deceived me on that score mrs errington sat holding the arms of her easy-chair with both hands and staring at her daughter-in-law the poor lady felt as if the world were turned upside down it was not so long since old maxfield had astonished her by plainly showing that he thought her of no importance and choosing to turn her out of his house and now here was castalia conducting herself in a still more amazing manner whilst she revolved the case in her brain much confused and bewildered as that organ was and endeavoured to come to some clear opinion on it the younger woman got up and walked up and down the room with the restless aimless anxious gait of a caged animal at last mrs errington slowly nodded her head two or three times drew a long breath, folded her hands, and, assuming a judicial air, spoke as follows. "'My dear Castalia, I shall overlook the unbecomingness of certain expressions that you have used towards myself, because I can make allowances for an excited state of feeling, but you must permit me to give you a little advice. Endeavour to control yourself. Try to look at things with calmness and judgment, and you will soon perceive how wrong and foolish your present conduct is. And, moreover—' you need not be startled if i have discovered the real motive at the bottom of all this display of temper there never was a member of my family yet who had not a wonderful gift of reading motives i am sure it is nothing to envy us i have often for my own part wished myself as slow of perception as other people for the truth is not always pleasant but i must say that i can see one thing very plainly and that is that you are most unfortunately and most unreasonably giving way to jealousy i can see it castalia as plain as possible mrs errington had finished her harangue with much majesty bringing out the closing sentences as if they were a most unexpected and powerful climax when the effect of the whole was marred by her giving a violent start and exclaiming with more naturalness than dignity mercy on us castalia what will you do next do shut that window for pity's sake i shall get my death of cold castalia had opened the window and was leaning out of it regardless of the sleet which fell in slanting lines and beat against her cheek i knew that was his step she said speaking as it seemed more to herself than to her mother-in-law and he has no umbrella and those light shoes on she ran to the fireplace and stirred the fire into a blaze displaying an activity which was singularly contrasted with her usual languid slowness of movement can't you give him some hot wine and water she asked ringing the bell at the same time when her husband came in she removed his damp great-coat with her own hands made him sit down near the fire and brought him a pair of his mother's slippers which were quite sufficiently roomy to admit his slender feet algernon submitted to be thus cherished and taken care of declaring with an amused smile as he sipped the hot negus that this fuss was very kind but entirely unnecessary as he had not been three minutes in the rain 
as to mrs errington she was so perplexed by her daughter-in-law's sudden change of mood and manner that she lost her presence of mind and remained gazing from algernon to his wife very blankly i never knew such a thing thought the good lady one moment she's raging and scolding and abusing her husband for deceiving her and the next she is petting him up as if he was a baby when the fly was announced and castalia left the little drawing-room to put on her cloak and bonnet mrs errington drew near to her son and whispered to him solemnly algy there is something very strange about your wife i never saw such a changed creature within the last few weeks don't you think you should have some one to see her some professional person i mean i fear that her brain is affected good gracious mother another lunatic you're getting to have a monomania on that subject yourself algernon laughed as he said it my dear there may be two persons afflicted in the same way may there not but i said nothing about lunatics algy only really i think some temporary disturbance of the brain is going on i do indeed pooh pooh nonsense ma'am but it is enough that you are the second person who has made that agreeable suggestion to me within a fortnight poor cassy that's all she gets by her airs and her temper another person was there yes it was little miss chubb and miss chubb upon my word i think that miss chubb was guilty of taking a considerable liberty in suggesting anything of the kind about the honourable miss ancram errington oh i don't know about liberty but of course i laughed at her and of course you will too if she says anything of the kind to you i shall undoubtedly check her pretty severely if she attempts anything of the sort with me miss chubb indeed the consequence was that mrs errington went about among her whitford friends elaborately contradicting and denying the innuendos spread abroad about her daughter-in-law by certain presumptuous and gossiping persons and thus brought the suggestion before many who would not otherwise have heard of it all which of course surprised and annoyed algernon very much who had naturally not expected anything of the sort from his mother's well-known tact and discretion. End of chapter 9